everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And I am so uh, excited to introduce the uh, ever-kind Nita Sweeney. Uh, thanks for uh, being off the beaten path with us this week. Hey, I'm really excited to be here. I can't wait to chat with you guys. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know, we've had a whole episode or two just leading up to this <laughs> recording. <laughs> uh, so it's good to make it official a little bit and, you know, share it out with people. But um, so, uh, yeah, you know, a, a little bit of what I know about Nita, I know she was actually um, doing some uh, lawyer classes for uh, my partner whenever she, you know, pretty much texted us the minute you started talking <laughs> uh, and said, uh, this is a woman you definitely want to connect with. And um, I'm excited. I mean, I'm just going to get out all my excitement right now. <laughs> but uh, I, I looked into make every move a meditation. And I thought that was really interesting as well. So I'm excited to have you on the show. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, Thank you again. I'm an author, a best-selling author. I love saying that. Award-winning author. Love saying that too. But <laughs> primarily, I'm a person who lives with mental health struggles. And mm -hmm. I am a lawyer. I did practice for a number of years. And I left the practice because of my mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. And then for many years, I wandered around the writing landscape trying to find my way. And <clears throat> eventually, I found three things that I always say keep me on the planet. In addition to therapy and meds, let's just mm. get honest. I'm definitely always going to be probably on some kind of medication and um, probably will always see a therapist because it's really helpful. <laughs> but yeah, um, nice. but the, the, the non-professional things that I have found that have helped me more than anything are writing practice. So it's a particular form of writing, but it's kind of like journaling, kind of like free writing. Mm. And it's uh, the woman who coined that term is a long-term meditator, uh, Natalie Goldberg. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, I also found that meditation, which is what is in the that book, Make Every Move Meditation, uh, that helps me stay grounded, stay present, learn kind of who I really am, uh, the insight piece of it. And then finally, once I added movement to the mix, things mm -hmm. really change. So those three things, mm -hmm. writing, meditation, and movement. And for me, it's running, but it could be pickleball. It could be walking. It could be yoga. Um, anything like that, it could be. So those three things have uh, led me to a place where I'm able to write books. And that's what I love to do. I like to write long nonfiction books about, they're very memoirish, but about how my, um, experiences have helped others, how I have used things um, to help myself. And then I write the books and I you know, share with people and I, I'm a mindfulness coach also, I'm a certified mindfulness teacher. So that's sort of a long answer. The short answer is best-selling author of three books, mindfulness coach, ultra marathoner, wife and dog mom. That's wow. the short answer. I, dog I'm, mom yay yeah, I, I love that i'm actually looking at my own resume thinking oh maybe i should <laughs> bump that up a little bit that's a that's a pretty good list but um you know nita i was interested and i'm sorry mom you're welcome to hop in here but i i was interested you know with my wife being a lawyer just kind of i know that her mental health is something she has to focus on 
And for her, that's, you know, a lot of food-based, um, a lot of exercise-based movement. Um, she does write as well, which I thought that was cool. But I'm, I'm interested, you know, where did you find the strength and hope, like, kind of in that movement from um, attorney to, you know, writer and author? Did you have any, you know, uh, people that you looked to? I'm just curious. I, I enjoy, oh, yes. I, I just did a deep breath where I was all about motivation and growth. So I'm just curious, you know, where that was for you. Yeah, so I've always been a very driven person. Even in the midst of my depression, I still um, had to make sure that the pills were in the boxes. Check. Mm. I did that. You know, it was that that's the kind of thing. But I had a lot of help. I was so, so fortunate to have really, really good insurance at the time of my breakdown because I had practiced for almost 10 years and um, became severely suicidal, um, uh, came really, really close to ending my life. And I ended up in the hospital. Mm. And then I was in, uh, I was in the hospital, I don't know, not very long, but um, once they got me stable, then they put me immediately into partial hospitalization. I think I was in that for about eight weeks. And then I was in the um, outpatient for a couple of years because it was really bad. And they couldn't, you know, it was just so hard because I had been this sort of, in my mind, very important person. I was a partner in a law firm. I was traveling all over. I had these pretty major clients. My clients were all public officials. So it was a pretty big deal. And then all of a sudden I can't even think straight. It just felt, I mean, it happened gradually over time, but Mm. once my awareness felt as if it was someone just flipped a switch and all of a sudden I'm, you know, just sitting in my house, staring out the window. Mm. And then my dad got sick. And um, so there was that whole thing. So I stayed in partial hospitalization almost the whole time he was sick until he died because it was just so the whole thing was so traumatic. So eventually I found this writer, Natalie Goldberg, her most famous book, she's written 15 books. I think she's working on our 16th and um, her, her most famous book is called writing down the bones. And it's about um, writing down your first thoughts, your authentic experience of the world and uh, sensory details. That's her big, big thing. And so I, um, I actually went to Taos to take a workshop with her and I so fell in love with the workshops that, that I convinced my husband to move to Taos and we sold a lot of our possessions and moved to New Mexico thinking we would just stay there forever. And Taos is, so Columbus is, I think the 15th largest metropolitan area in the United States and Taos is a town of 7,000 people. Okay. In very remote in northern New Mexico in the mountains, um, three cultures, uh, the Pueblo people, the Tausenos, which are actually there, uh, they, they uh, come from the conquistadors, and then the approximately 12% of the population that is Anglo. <laughs> and so it was quite a shock. It was quite a the culture shock. Mm-hmm. The actual living there was a shock. So, um, but the work with Natalie was amazing. And that's mm. what we eventually came back. And then that's what has been the foundation of my writing sense is doing writing practice, these timed writings based on meditation and mm. having a community of other writers that do the same kind of writing. Um, Natalie encouraged me. She didn't encourage me. She told me 
I had to teach when I came back to Ohio because that's what she loves and she knows that you have to teach what you need to learn. So Ooh, I started I teaching. That. I love that. So I started teaching classes at Upper Arlington's adult ed program and I, I had stopped for a couple of years, but I'm probably going to start doing that again. And, and that has just been the foundation. And then I <clears throat> did go to MFA school, get my master's of fine arts in creative writing at Goddard College. It was mm. a low, re low res program. So you go back and forth. So it actually mimics the writing life because you're, you have these very intense periods where you're spending a lot of time with other writers and with, you know, a, a, it's a, it's a professor, but it's like an editor. And then you go home and write by yourself. Um, mm. And then I also um, joined, and this is, it sounds, it almost sounds silly, but it has been foundational is National Novel Writing Month. There's a thing every November called National Novel Writing Month where you write 50,000 words of fiction. And I reveled and wrote 50,000 words of nonfiction. And that was how I was able to get my first <laughs> manuscript. Oh, done. nice. So um, that's kind of a long answer, but um, the answer is yes, lots of support, lots of different mm. ways. When people want to write, I always encourage them to realize that it's not a, it's a team sport. It really is. Mm. And so you do that. the writing by yourself, but you have to have other people other eyes on your work, other people to encourage you, other people to help you with ideas. I like that. That sense of community, which is what we build so much here on the podcast, is that we're connected to each other. We need each other. We're not isolated and alone. As much as our culture has been so isolated, even by the pandemic, we need a sense of connection and community. I agree. That's been mm -hmm. so important for me in all areas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but then, then eventually I had to find the right book because I had another book. The book I actually wrote a book about when my dad died, and um, <clears throat> that I wasn't. I think I didn't know what the story was yet, and I think I do now. But eventually, when I started running, which is a whole nother story of how that happened, because it was not my plan. <laughs> then um, once that happened, and I realized that I had a story about what I thought was middle-aged woman takes up running. That's what I thought I was writing. About. <laughs> and the more I had it edited and the more people looked at it, they said the real story is woman trying to save her life. Ooh, and so once wow. I doubled down on that and it's really a running book, I mean, it is, it's a, the first half of the book is very memoirish and um, much more emotionally deep. And then once I started marathon training, it's really a kind of a training plan in some ways. And then at the end, oh, it wow. comes back, it comes back to more of an emotional arc. But mm. once I had that, then I really felt like I had something. And that's what sold it. That's what sold it to Mango. So that was my first book was Depression Hates a Moving Target. And it's about um, mental health and running. I, I call it a running and mental health memoir. I may have made that genre up. I'm not sure. But... Mm. Yeah, so. Neat. I'm so curious about this idea of a writing practice. I want to look more into Natalie's work because even as we were talking before we started recording the episode, you were saying that our writing is not just about our thinking and about a time, you know, in a different um, remembering back or reflecting back. It's also what's happening in the moment. I don't know if you could right. speak to any more about that. I think that's sure. Yeah. Brilliant. One of the, one of the rules, Natalie has rules of writing practice is, uh, is be specific. So even if you're remembering something in the past, remembering the sensory details of it will cause 
physical, and I'm not sure she even talks about it quite like this, but this is the way I experience it. It will cause physical sensations in your body while you're writing it. You may mm. even have the same physical sensations that you had then, wow. yeah. which is why it can be really powerful for, um, for mental health work because it's a way to sort of titrate or uh, desensitize yourself by writing just a little bit about something that's scary or painful or, or joyful too. Uh, sure. Some people even have problems with that. So you use the practice of setting a timer, which is um, creates kind of a little container, almost like a pressure cooker. And your mind says, oh, I can do anything for 10 minutes. I'll just keep writing mm. for 10 minutes. And then you keep your hand moving so that you don't cross out, you don't backspace, which is hard when, if you're typing, she encourages people to write by hand because it actually is a different physical activity and it uh, lights up similar, but slightly different areas of the brain when mm -hmm. you write by hand versus typing. So when you're doing that, you keep your hand moving. And even if you have to just make a circle with your pen or type XXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXXX
So it's sort of a, it's, it's a way to kind of creep up on mindfulness. But Natalie created it based on meditation because in meditation practice, somebody sets a timer, whether it's a, I mean, they don't mm. really set, but you know, the, the teacher is the timer and then sure. they give you instructions. And when your mind wanders, you, know, you have a, you, whether you're focusing on the breath or a body sensation, when your mind wanders, you bring it back. And so that's yep. the same thing with writing practice. When your mind wanders, you just come back to the topic mm, or you I write. Yeah. So that's, that's the writing practice. And I don't do it every day. I did for a long time. I did every day. I did at least 10 minutes for a long time. Now I don't do it every day, but I do it whenever I'm stuck with something, even if it's not, oh, like that. not in writing, you know, I'm confused mm -hmm. about, um, I don't know, something going on in my life. Um, I may have had a, um, uncomfortable conversation with someone and I want to write, um, because I often like to get to what my part is in a situation because mm -hmm. I can talk all day about what I think they did wrong and I can't do anything about that. Sure. I may be able to say something to them. This is what happened when you did this. This is how I felt. But ultimately, if there's not something I can do about it or accept about myself, then I'm, I'm powerless over it. And it, um, and there, and I'm well, I'm powerless over it anyway, but, but it, it, it's easier for me to process it when I think, okay, what, where did I, did I step into this? Did I, um, say something, um, that might've been unkind? You know, what is there something, how can I examine that? And it's much safer for me to examine that in a notebook where nobody's watching, you know, than it is mm -hmm. to, um, um, uh, and then later I might take that to my therapist and talk about it too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or nice. a friend or a friend, but, nice. but, uh, but for the writing, it's the same thing. I use the same process. That's, I think that's those are great practices. Yeah. How, how even, you know, historically we've separated body and mind and being able to combine the two for mental health. I mean, um, we talk a lot about EMDR, um, which see, I had to pause and make sure you I had to make sure you had the letters in the right order. <laughs> I, could, I could tell, like, slow that down so I can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and <laughs> gas again. Um, but I, I think that's wild just how, you know, our physical body attaches to our mind. And I thought that mind, uh, that, that, um, focus on movement is interesting as well. Not stopping the flow. So do you hard cut off at 10 minutes, no matter what, or is that no. like pencils down? Only if I'm with people and we're doing it as a group, but no, okay. um, no, I don't. I, it, I mean, it, well, the truth is it depends, which is my answer to everything. Um, <laughs> if I'm have to be someplace in, yeah, obviously, but often what happens is after the 10 minutes, the juices are just getting flowing yeah, and then yeah. I really want to dive and, and I might even write now, okay, dive, need a dive. I'll just write that. Almost oh, as if I'm nice. talking to myself, cheering myself on. Oh, nice. So no, I no, I definitely that. don't. It's not a hard stop at all. It's it's a trick in a way because there's that part of our minds, that little, um, I don't know, uh, reptilian brain, whatever, that's, oh my God, I can't write. I can't do this. Yeah, so just say, start. Just 10 minutes. Just right. two minutes. If 10 minutes is too much, do five. Just, right. just start um, because we're always fighting inertia. Yes, I love that. I, I think that's really interesting too. I don't know how you all use meditation, but I feel like my body slows and at the end of meditation, I might feel more rested. It seems mm -hmm. like with this activity, you might feel more creative or invigorated. Well, in some ways I'll feel more rested because the huh. uh, thoughts are not uh, banging around in my head and wow. you know, banging into my skull is what it almost feels like. 
Um, And so inside, I may not physically feel more rested. I may feel more excited, more creative, but I, my mind will be calmer. Mm -hmm. So, cause there's a, there's a difference. Um, I, I see this most probably when running people have, um, not everyone, but a lot of people have a, the idea that to run faster, you have to clench and push and exert more. Mm. And that only goes so far. The thing that, and I'm not a fast runner, so don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, going to, I'm not qualifying for Boston here, but <clears throat> if you know what that means, there's a Boston yeah. marathon. You have to right. Okay. Not everybody knows right. it. Yeah. I forgot. Oops, I actually knew that in. reference. You know, yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> I don't always know references. Yeah. I knew that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So you have to qualify for Boston. So yeah, it's a big deal and it's tough. And, um, but I have found that the more I relax and focus on having good form, mm. the faster I go. And at the end, I'm still, I'm still spent. I'm still done, done, done. I just did, oh my God, I just did the worst race of my life. And I'm so glad I did. Um, but um, it was a 31, it's a 50K, so 31 mile I did um, in June. And it was, oh, it was brutal. But um, uh, but I kept reminding myself as I was out there, don't, you, you're not, pushing is not going to help you. It's, I'm, I had to kind of pull a little bit mentally but mostly it was just completely relax, one foot in front of the other, completely mm. relax. Are you upright? Are you, you know, are you leaning from your belly? Are you breathing? Are you taking in enough nutrition? Are you drinking enough fluid? It was, you know, and mm. I, it had to be a completely relaxed kind of thing. And wow. uh, so um, where the heck were we going? But I think that, I think with a lot of activity, oh, meditation. Yeah. So with the meditation, I mean, that's how I forget. And then you remember. Yeah. That's that's how I know you've been practicing meditation. That's the whole point. That's right. You're bringing it back. You're like, oh, here we go. Now let me check in. (laughs) I've also been pretty good at forgetting things. And so I'm getting better at remembering. But, um, but yeah, in meditation, you do that. You do that remembering that, Mm. oh, that's Mm -hmm. right. I'm meditating. Because when you want your mind wanders off and you're suddenly thinking about, I don't know, something you did 20 years ago, you know, a trip you took 10 years ago or the grocery list, the, what you need to get at the store in the next mm-hmm. hour uh, after you're done meditating, remembering. So when I'm out on the trail, remembering, oh, that's right. I just need to relax. I'll feel myself just completely tense up. My jaw mm-hmm. will be clenched. My shoulders will be up to my ears. My hands will be clenched. I mean, just, you know, I can feel my whole body. And so just relax your hands, try to drop your jaw and, um, and be right where I'm at in a relaxed state. That is cool. You know, that helps me hear you process that out a little bit, because when I think of running, I think I'm going to die. Running has not been my friend. (laughs) I'm like, I'll walk. Thank you. (laughs) I resonate with the dog mom. I'm curious what kind of dogs you have a total bunny trail, but I'm just still curious. Yeah, I have a yellow lab. We had, um, we had a yellow lab before that he was that my co-star in depression hates the moving target, the first book. And Mm. uh, he, he did the initial training with me. I think he went up to, I want to say he went 10 miles, which a lot of dogs go a lot further, but that's mm-hmm. just what he did with me. And uh, we had, before that, we had a golden retriever. We've had, um, 
American Eskimo dog, but mostly the labs. Mm. Those are my loves yeah. are the labs. Yeah. Like we had a golden retriever when I was a kid. They're great, great dogs. Yep. But, that was um, our first dog. Yeah. Just love the, especially the yellow labs. They're just, they're really a different personality. I mm. I mean, I think every, every dog's different, but, uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. that's what we have mm -hmm. now. Scarlet, the pupperina. She's so bad. She has her own hashtag. She's the 99% good dog because she's so bad. Oh, <laughs> she's, she's adorable, but she's bad. Yeah. Well, I have a curiosity question about meditation and mindfulness. Is there a distinction there? Is it that you use mindfulness to practice meditation? How would you kind of explore those two words just a little bit? Mindfulness is a particular technique of meditation okay. because meditation has a very broad definition some people say they're going to meditate on something and what they mean is they're going to think about it and meditations have often meant um sometimes it's prayer sometimes it's you could say well, i'm going to do my my i'm going to do my daily meditation so what they mean are their prayers or they're going to take a topic and think about it so in mindfulness you're bringing your mind into your body or into your thoughts but not to think, to, to notice. So, um, you can, you can be mindful of two things, thoughts and body sensations. That's your experience. So let me, let me back up. My primary meditation teacher has been a man named Shinzen Young, and he defines mindfulness as infusing your experience with awareness and equanimity. And when he says experience, what he means is your thoughts and your body sensations, because that's what your experience is made of. It's not made of anything else. There's nothing else about except what you're thinking about and what's happening in real time in the moment in your body. And then uh, infuse is just pay attention with uh, you know, high level of focus and awareness, kind of the same thing. So you direct your attention awareness to that experience and you do it with a quality of mind called equanimity. And the equanimity is the part that's probably the most difficult to describe. It's the kind of thing you sort of have to experience, but it's a calm state of mind or a non-judgmental curiosity. So when you said you had a curiosity question, mm -hmm. that's what, that would be a bit of equanimity. I'm curious about mm -hmm. this. And you mm -hmm. kind of open your mind and, and you're not um, committed or not uh, wanting a particular answer or a particular result. It's mm -hmm. sort of open-handed and even-handed. Yep. And, you know, sure we have hopes and dreams. And can we be with life when they don't come true? Can we be with, um, also, can we be with joy fully without grasping? Because the, the mindfulness mm -hmm. practice and the meditation I do does come from the Buddhist tradition. I'm, um, I like um, that, that tradition has appealed to me because they talk about suffering in a very direct way, that life can mm -hmm. be difficult. But the thing is that they, that they talk about the reason that we suffer. And then they give a solution to it of how mm. to suffer less. I mean, you're never not going to suffer altogether unless you're the Buddha. But 
Um, but the, the suffering is caused by craving and aversion. So we're trying to pull something toward us or trying to push something away. Mm -hmm. So during and, and equanimity is the solution to craving and aversion. Mm -hmm. It's being with it without needing for it to be any different than it is. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you can just turn on like flipping a switch. It really takes practice. And I, I find that it's most helpful to practice with things like your nose itching or standing in a grocery line when there's a person in front of you who's got 16 items in the 15 item line. And, <laughs> and so you're noticing your frustration, possible boredom with awareness and equanimity because you're trying to go, all right, this is what is, I can't change this. Sure, I could yell, sure, I could call the manager, sure, I could call the person out, but let's just have a little experiment. Let's just be open to this and see what happens. Can I be with this? And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's all, um, um, that's all kind of, um, I don't know, just uh, kind of my shorthand way of saying it. So when I just remember being at different retreats and listening to Shinzen's uh, lectures, talks about meditation, and people would ask him a question. Um, anything from my foot continues to fall asleep during meditation to my spouse just died. And mm -hmm. his answer was essentially the same. He would be caring about what happened. And then he would say, let's practice. Let's see if you can practice infusing that experience, your thoughts and body sensations around your foot fall asleep, falling asleep, your spouse dying, anything in between with awareness and equanimity. His mm -hmm. answer was always the same. So did you study with him in person or, okay, nice. Yeah. So I where did, was um, that? Um, we did, uh, the first retreat was in California. Um, we did a retreat in Maryland. I think, did we go to Vermont? Um, a couple different places. My husband's from California. And so we would go to visit his family and then we would go to a retreat. So most of the retreats were in California, but nice. I want to say Maryland and maybe Delaware. Mm-hmm. He lived in Vermont for a long time. Now he lives in Arizona. And I don't think he's doing in-person retreats now. He's, I want to say he's in his late 70s or early 80s. Okay. And so he's not doing mm -hmm. in-person retreats. But he does a lot of online things. The Zoom, the Zoom sphere freed him up to not travel, which mm -hmm. is so helpful to not have that extra burden when sure. you're aging. Sure. I was just going to say I referenced in case any of our listeners use the Calm app and Jeff Warren's daily trip that he references Shenzhen Young as well. So it was fun to have a, a familiar name that I went, oh, I know. Our, our, our standing joke in our podcast is that I never know a reference. Like, I, I'm not up on all the different Unless famous people. A, a, a deep mental health or psychological. <laughs> and then we found some that I, I find some references that I actually know who people are talking about, which is exciting. <laughs> I guess that's true, Samuel. I had never really thought about that yeah. before. These are the only references that me and Sarah just collectively get. You get all the references we don't understand. <laughs> there you go. Between the three of us, we figure out what's going on. But otherwise, well, Nita, you've got a book coming out in September, a Daily I Dose do. of Now. That sounds so exciting, very digestible, little little nuggets of rhythms and rituals that folks can benefit from. Do you want to say anything about that book coming out? 
Yes, yes, thank you for giving me that chance. It is a daily reader, each page, so it's a page a day, 365 entries, each page will have a quotation that's related to mindfulness, a little example, maybe four or five sentences of something from my life in which a challenge has occurred and here's what I did, and then a practice, a today's practice at the bottom of each page that is something very simple you can do that day. Real simple. Uh, uh, my favorite example is every time you walk through a door today, notice which foot goes first. Mm. Huh. So it just brings your mind into the moment and they're just tiny little digestible. Um, wow. Because uh, uh, this is Shinzen's term, but mindful micro hits because we are so busy. We are so overwhelmed. We are so inundated with information that we really need some very accessible ways to introduce kind of sneak mindfulness into our lives. Mm, mm -hmm. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. And so when is that coming out? September 26th is the fingers, toes, eyes crossed. Everything that's crossed. That's the date it'll come out. <laughs> yeah. The, the publishing company, Mind Moon Movement, is um, very excited about it. And that's the tentative date. So we hope. And I was just going to say, Nita, you had mentioned before we had started recording that this is a 30 years in the making project. Yeah. And I just think mm -hmm. that's beautiful. Like what you've accumulated in your life journey and that's precious. I mean, just the collection of that is, it sounds very beautiful. Thank you. It's very, it means a lot to me because I have, I, like I said, I've been working on it that long and, and I would put it aside, but it was always in the back of my mind. And especially when you're gathering quotes or experiences mm -hmm. to put in a book so that it doesn't, so that, you know, when you have 365 of them, they can't all look the same. They're similar because sure. I just told you Shinzen, Shinzen's answer to everything, which is also in make every movement meditation that, so there is some common uh, technique, but it's completely unlimited as to how you can use it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to show people was that, um, that you can do this every day, any day, in any situation, and it can be helpful to your um, mental health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And those little small doses are what make it possible. I think that's what's so amazing in the work that I do as well with people is that you know, we want drastic change and healing and recovery and how we get there is little by little. Yeah. Drips, which makes it possible. Drips. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm, Bruce Perry calls that. them moments of healing. He calls yes. like just little moments of healing. It's like, oh, that sounds so mm -hmm. gentle and kind and really nourishing, right. really healing. Well, that's what I'm hoping for this book. I hope that it that's what has helped my practice is having mm -hmm. not just the going to a retreat or having a regular teacher, but having these just little moments where I remember, oh, that's right. I can just do this now, right now. Yeah. I don't have to wait. I don't have to be anyplace else right now, right here. It's beautiful. I, I agree. I think that can be impactful. I'm looking forward to the book, uh, A Daily Dose of Now, 365 Mindfulness Practices for Living in the Moment. Did I get that right? Yes, that explains Nice. It. That was all by ear. Awesome. Um, so good. Sam. That wasn't by good. memory, but that was by ear. Uh, but Excellent. I'm looking forward to that uh, in September. And uh, then the no doubt, you know, rip away daily calendar that you'll come out with. <laughs> well, and the, the journal and the course. Right. And right, then the exactly. actual book about it. There'll be a yeah. book, too. And probably the a conference. workbook and the yeah. conference. Yeah, we have the national, the tour. 
<laughs> I am the pretty excited. So I mentioned um, the my writing teacher, longtime writing teacher, who's she she's a Zen practitioner. So that's her real heart work. Um, uh, Natalie Goldberg, and she's agreed to write the foreword to a Daily Dose of Now. So really, that's looking so exciting. Yeah, looking forward that's, to it. Yeah. So thank you. you. Thanks for. As an author, sometimes, I mean, we spend a lot of time alone hammering out words and you think, mm. oh my gosh, does anybody care? And so when people are excited, it just, it just makes your day. It makes so, it all worth it. Thank you so much. Yes. Absolutely. I am looking forward to it. I, yeah. I'm excited to make that connection because we've been talking these last couple of weeks about how to become more mindful, you know, more than weeks, you know, years. And so this will be a good, you know, small step thing that, you know, maybe we'll have a, a unpack that for there you go uh, nita sweeney here but well folks i appreciate you joining us this week thanks so much nita for joining us as well um uh it's been an absolute pleasure uh if you want to continue the conversation please check out our other episodes um um if, if you've already done so and you're a super fan we'd love a review on itunes or uh spotify but um nita we finish every episode with uh, gratitudes or affirmations. Um, I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Do you have any gratitude or affirmation that uh, you want to end the episode with? Thank you for this moment. Thank you for mm. my breath. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for people like you who are doing this work. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for my breath. Mm. I love that. I have I have so much gratitude just for, as we said, the connections that are made just so serendipitously like Connie reaching out Samuel's wife that, you know, I'm thankful for Connie mentioning to me, you should reach out to Nita. And then the willingness of someone to say, yes, I would love to spend that time with you. And I feel like my life is, is touched and is richer from having spent the time of getting to know you Nita a little bit and looking forward to reading more of your make every move a meditation and the upcoming daily dose as well. So I, it's been beautiful. Yeah. Thank Connie for me too. I, I didn't actually know her name. So yeah, <laughs> yes, make sure you thank her. She must've been on one of the continuing legal education programs. Thank you. Thank yep. you. That's yep. fabulous. Yes. This is and I'm so glad that lawyers do that. I didn't even realize they had a mental health, like, component of her support because yeah, of course you're going to have trauma you know right, with things um, happening for lawyers they kind of sneak it in under competence it's an, it's in the ethics so the ethics um they have to take a certain number of ethics hours continuing legal education and when i say sneak it in it's not underhanded or anything but that's the that's the way that they talk about it is because there's a requirement in the ethics code that you be competent and you mm -hmm. cannot be competent if you are not mentally well. Right. Right. If you're and that's where I come in. I talk about we, that. Yeah, we need that in all our, you know, talk about changing systems, all you know, whether fields. it's, yes, like education fields and um, police officers and hospitals and all the different places that need mental health and trauma understanding. And yes, absolutely. That would help change the world. I love it. Cool, folks. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week. Oh, I was looking at our uh, uh, episodes. This is episode 95. We're really getting up there, so there's plenty nice. to go back and listen to. But anyway, folks, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you uh, next week. Bye.